Welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. So to kind of end cap the month of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we wanted to take some time today and break down a really important concept, which is the cycle of violence. And many of you who have listened to past episodes have definitely heard us talking about this before, maybe not at the length in which we're gonna discuss it today, um, but it's really an integral part of how abusive relationships work. So we really wanted to take time to dive into this. So due to the nature of this material today, we just wanna make the disclaimer that talking about abusive patterns, it might be triggering for some. So please just take care during today's episode however you need to, and know that as usual, we will have resources below for our local, national, and international listeners. And so the cycle of violence, it happens in every single abusive relationship. They will all take this pattern, uh, which again is why it's so important for us to really dive in and really fully understand this. There are four stages in the cycle of violence, so we're gonna jump in and discuss each one. Absolutely, so let's break down the cycle of violence. And so we'll, we are going to start with the first stage in the cycle, which is the honeymoon phase. And so it's really, really important to know that every relationship starts in the honeymoon phase, even healthy and unhealthy relationships, especially abusive, right? And so it's really important to know that this is why sometimes we have victims stay in abusive relationships because they all started in that honeymoon phase. And so there, there has been some, you know, great moments in their relationship that they remember. And it's really important to know that in the honeymoon phase, you know, the length of time for the honeymoon phase can be different for every relationship, right? And so for example, yeah. it could be weeks, it could be months, right? And so it may look different in every situation. Typically honeymoon phase, um, we may look or feel or sound like acting our best selves, right? And this is when everything seems perfect and it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, finally you have the perfect person or you have someone that is everything you want. Um, and it may also, um, you may also experience some romantic gestures in that relationship during that phase also holding back certain qualities, traits, and quirks, right? And so obviously, like we mentioned, mm -hmm. you're being your best self in that moment, right? Um, also, it's really important to take a look at some of these red flags, right? That you may be experiencing an unhealthy honeymoon phase. And so the beginning um, may seem isolating, right? And that person may only want you to spend time with them. And so they may be isolating from your friends or family. Also falling in love extremely fast. This is something that's yeah. so common, right? Kind of having that whirlwind experience where you feel like they have just taken you off your feet and you are just completely in love and everything's moving so quickly. Also unrealistic expectations um, in, you know, in that phase. Controlling or jealous. That person may be trying to just become very controlling or jealous and also a lot of boundaries um, being crossed. And so, although the honeymoon phase, you may see for part of it, you may see, you know, a lot of these great qualities in this person. Also, you may see some of these red flags, right? Um, that the honeymoon phase you're experiencing may be unhealthy. Absolutely. And some of those things might seem really subtle, right? So I feel like kind of going back, talking about the controlling, um, the jealousy, thinking about that whirlwind relationship, right? We get caught up so quickly. We're 
head over heels in love really quickly and maybe suddenly yeah they don't want you talking to other friends of the same gender right or kind of partaking in the same activities because you know there's guys there or there's girls there and those little things might really just feel um, like that jealousy might feel like this person just really loves me right and kind of part of that whole whirlwind experience so I think it's great that you pointed those things out because again those are kind of they could be really subtle um, and especially when you're caught up and so after the honeymoon phase, uh, when you're in an unhealthy or abusive relationship, what comes after the honeymoon phase is what we call the tension phase. So this phase is kind of like a walking on eggshells feeling. And I know we've talked about that a lot in the past, right? So perhaps these red flags that you're noticing, uh, you're becoming more aware of them. So maybe that jealousy or that controllingness, right? Maybe your partner kind of nudging you to look a certain way or dress a certain way. And maybe at first in that honeymoon, phase you know you felt like that was a part of how much they loved you right or how much potential they may have seen in you and that's how you're taking it but now maybe it's maybe getting a little bit too far right so maybe you're starting to kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed by that control or a little bit overwhelmed by that jealousy maybe they're starting to really say that you're not allowed to talk to them anymore it makes me too jealous you can't spend time doing those hobbies anymore you have to be committed to this relationship that means spending every minute with me right and so maybe these things are really starting to kind of get under your skin a little bit or become a little bit noticeable right like a little bit uncomfortable so there's a lot of anxiety in this stage right so you're noticing those red flags things are starting to come up um, and i've always explained this especially to my high schoolers the kind of anxiety you may feel in this stage is and i always say you know has anyone or your parents ever told you just wait till your mother just wait till your father hears what you did right if you did something wrong and then you're kind of sitting and waiting for that punishment right like you know that that one parent's going to tell the other what you did and they're, they're going to have some punishment carried out for you and you're just sitting and waiting in that anxiety right you know something bad is coming you don't know what it is yet but you know there's a punishment or something bad coming at the end of this so this stage could feel very similar to that right so these red flags are popping up the behavior is starting to be a lot different right maybe your partner is starting to really nitpick you or scold you maybe in public right maybe part of that is kind of humiliating right or embarrassing for you maybe they're starting to be really withholding when it comes to affection or sharing their feelings and especially after you've had perhaps a really whirlwind honeymoon phase with a lot of love a lot of affection yeah maybe now them withholding that right is becoming a huge red flag making you pretty uncomfortable wondering what's wrong right or perhaps they're becoming aggressive towards you and so again that anxiety is going to feel like yeah you're kind of waiting maybe this relationship is feeling like suddenly it's different you fell in love with somebody you got really caught up and you thought this person was just one way or that you thought their personality was just going to be everything it was in the beginning and suddenly you're seeing a lot of changes to that right and so it's kind of like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop absolutely thank you for all those details i think it's really important to kind of create a visual understanding of what that may look like right mm -hmm. and so the next stage or the next phase in the cycle of violence is explosion or the abusive stage and this is where you'll see the abusive response or acts right from the abuser and it's really important to know that this may look different right um, the form or the action that they take to gain power and control over the victim may look different so they may use you know 
uh, physical violence, right? And so there may be any form of physical violence, whether it's not allowing them to leave, um, you know, holding them down, you know, anything from, you know, something at just like slapping to, you know, extreme physical violence, right? Mm -hmm. And so also there's verbal, right? And so you could see them being verbally and emotionally abusive, you know, telling them that they're not worth anything, telling them that it's their fault, telling them that they make them do this and that they don't love them the way that they need to be loved, right? And a lot of that, a lot of what you'll see in this stage is a lot of that victim blaming, right? Blaming, kind of deflecting on the victim and making them feel like they're guilty and it's their fault. Um, it, there could be also, you know, a form of sexual abuse as well, financial, spiritual, digital, and stalking. And so it can look different depending on every situation. We mentioned how every situation is unique and it will be different. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really, really important to know that, you know, when it comes to the cycle of abuse in this stage, you know, someone may be abused in a way that's not physical it may be verbal and emotional financial spiritual digital stalking like we mentioned and so it may not be visible to those and sometimes it's even not visible to the victim and the survivor right mm -hmm. um but it's really important to know that it's really difficult in this stage because it may make the survivor and the victim feel confused in regards to what's going on um and Lisa will talk a little bit more about that, um, specifically this stage, and then we'll definitely discuss this more in our honeymoon stage. Yeah, and I think it's really important, you kind of talked about just minimization that can happen, right, when the stage occurs, um, you know, maybe blaming on the victim, telling them it's their fault, and just thinking of going back to that last stage, right, the tension stage. So if we're thinking about all these things kind of slow roll happening, you know, suddenly we're kind of experiencing these different things, uh, whether it be, you know, just unhealthy communication, unhealthy behaviors where that victim feels like they're doing something wrong, they're mm -hmm. making their partner upset, right? So when that abusive stage happens, yeah, there's a lot of the time that victims may not even realize that this is abusive because again, it's been this really slow process. Um, and there could have been a lot of manipulation happening in that tension stage, right? Mm -hmm. To where they really feel like whatever abuse does come in that third stage really is their fault, right? Um, and so that's really important to think about. I've mentioned this analogy in a prior episode, but I think it's, especially perfect right because we're talking about this now but think about this cycle and think about these relationships feeling a lot like you are dropped in a pot of water right and that's how the honeymoon stage kind of feels right so you're in this new space you're in this nice cool water but suddenly the heat's getting turned up to boiling but it doesn't it's not just a boil all at first right these relationships don't feel like that so it's kind of like the slow acclimation process so the tension phase might start to feel like it's kind of heating up in there right but maybe we're you know just trying to be fine with it we're carrying on you know it's not that hot yet we're okay everything's going to be fine it's going to cool off in a little bit it, but suddenly that water's boiling but now we're in it right and we kind of can't get out of it um, and so I think a lot of these relationships can really feel like that and I think that's important going back to prior episodes we've done that common question why don't they just leave why are they staying knowing this cycle is so important to kind of reframing that narrative right and thinking about yeah it's not that easy and it's not always that recognizable for that abuser and so really appreciate you bringing that up um, and kind of starting off the explosion or abusive stage with just that fact alone and so during this 
explosion or abusive stage, um, that victim or survivor might respond by, you know, doing anything to protect themselves, right? So there might be some individuals that are in that mindset, um, have, you know, maybe some support or coping skills or whatever it may be. And maybe their reaction is to kind of do anything they can, right? Maybe that's even fighting back uh, with their abuser. But other victims and survivors might respond by just trying to calm the abuser down, right? Maybe trying to reason with them uh, or protect or make excuses for them, right? So again, you know, if things were happening in the tension phase, they're starting to get that kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, they get angry super easy or some little things start to set them off that victim survivor starts to pick up on that. Maybe they're trying to change behavior, right? And change their life, change things that they're doing and saying, but suddenly, yeah, that abuse happens. So maybe now they're really trying to reason with them, right? Or really trying to just calm them down. And part of that might be because they really feel like, again, it's their fault, right? Or something that they did to cause that reaction. Some victims may or may not call the police in that situation. There's a lot of barriers to contacting law enforcement. We are fully aware of that. So that might be a choice some individuals take. Some might not feel safe to do that, right? A fear of retaliation, fear of what could happen, or even fear because again, they love this person, right? They have maybe, you know, a, a long length of time in that honeymoon phase, building up that relationship, that love, that rapport. So maybe just straight calling the police, you know, especially after if this is the first time this has happened, doesn't really feel feasible to them, right? Or doesn't feel right for them to do that because they love this person. And lastly, the victim or survivor might respond by trying to leave or leaving that relationship. But we also know leaving abusive relationship Statistically, it takes seven times to do that. And so, yeah, there may be uh, someone leaving or coming back, but either way, these are just some of the things and some of the ways a victim or survivor might respond to that abuse. Absolutely, thank you so much for elaborating on that, Lisa. And we are going to move on into the fourth stage in the cycle. And actually, this cycle just takes us right back into the honeymoon stage. Mm -hmm. And it's just super important to understand that in most abusive relationship, this phase in the relationship may begin to disappear or phase out. And mm -hmm. I'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end, right? But you will see this phase less and less in an abusive relationship, right? Um, and specifically when we're looking at the cycle of violence. And so you have a victim experiencing mostly, you know, the tension and explosion stage, right? Opposed to the honeymoon stage when they are in an abusive relationship. And it's important to know what it looks like. And so this fourth stage is, you know, the abuser promising to never do it again you know, and they may state something like, you know, that wasn't me, or it's not like me. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the abuser love bombing with gifts and affection, right? And so you have to remember that when it comes to domestic violence, and you know, abuse, it has everything to do with power and control. And so yeah. what they're doing in this stage is trying to gain that power and control, again, right, especially mm -hmm. if you know, the victim is wanting to leave or if the victims like I no longer want to be with you or if the victim is changing right or not listening or allowing them to control them right they will find ways to kind of lure them back in and so um, you may have the abuser justifying their behavior 
or blaming the drugs and alcohol and really just not taking that accountability and responsibility for their actions, right? Um, And one word I want to highlight is denial. Even in the last stage, right, you'll see a lot of that. You'll see that denial. And sometimes it comes from both ends, right? The victim may be in denial that they are being abused and then you may have the abuser being in denial that they are abusing, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's something that you do see very common. And again, the abuser blaming the victim, you know, it's your fault or I only did this because of what you did, right? Or if you would have never done that, I would have never done this, right? Or hurt you. You caused this. The survivor um, also dropping charges, you know, if they were filed. And so, you know, if they're kind of going back into that stage, there might be a sense of regret, right? Um, And wanting to, you know, wanting to believe that the abuser didn't mean to do that um, and that the abuser loves them. Also, the survivor feeling relieved. There is the partner I fell in love with, right? And especially if that partner is trying to shower them with affection and is, again, kind of, you know, charming their way back into their life, right? Mm -hmm. That victim may think to themselves, you know, like, oh, I have this person back or here they are, you know, um, this is the person that I love. And the survivor justifying behavior, that person will never do that again, right? Um, Whatever abuse or tactic they use, just simply believing that they're not going to do that again. And it's just super important and critical to know that this has a lot to do with pattern. And that's why we're talking about this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Typically there is a pattern to their abuse and it's really important to know that, you know, yes, it may happen again. And yes, if people get the proper help that they need, um, they may be able to change, but most likely because it is a pattern, it is really difficult to break, right? And we talk about the pattern of use so often and how important it is to break that cycle, but it takes a lot of work. And we're not saying that does not happen or it can't happen, but we are just stating that most likely they may do that same abusive act again. And it's really critical and important for survivors and victims to know that, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, when we're talking about, you know, all these phases and we're talking about the cycle itself, it has everything to do with power and control. And so specifically in this phase, you'll see the abuser trying to gain that back if they lost any of it. On top of that, it's really important to know that sometimes this phase not only phases out, but may completely disappear. And you may have a victim that is just dealing with abuse, right? An explosion in that tension phase. And that is when things can get really, really dangerous for them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning that as well. Um, Because yeah, like you said, you know, these really abusive relationships, they're going to really start to just drop that honeymoon phase altogether. There's no reconciliation. There's, you know, none of that abuser having that drop to my knees, baby, I would never do that to you. You know, I love you. That whole phase will get really etched out, right? And it's just going kind of ping ponging back and forth between I'm sitting and waiting for something awful to happen. Maybe I'm trying to mind my P's and Q's, right? I'm doing everything I need to, to just try to maintain my safety or survive in that relationship, right? And then abuse occurring. And so, yeah, that could be a really, really scary, really dangerous place for a survivor to be in. Um, and so, yeah, talking about this is just so important. I remember, I think it was our, our second episode we ever did, we talked about the cycle of violence a little bit. And I said, you know, every single abusive relationship takes the same cycle. And when I first heard that coming into this position years ago, right, learning about this stuff, taking a deep dive into domestic violence, I remember being a super critical person, right, always wanting to kind of see the proof, right? Like it almost sounded like there's no way 
every abusive relationship could take this cycle and unfortunately yes this is the exact cycle they take right and so yeah why it was so important to kind of circle back to this today to really kind of have you know this separate conversation to be able to highlight all these things because it really does paint such a big picture of how this happens why survivors might be in these relationships in the first place right again to kind of negate that question why are you there um, but also to highlight a lot of the abuse, the manipulation that happens in which a survivor may not feel safe, right? So by those abusive stages, there might be someone thinking and feeling like, you know, I can't do anything about this because, you know, if I do call the police, if I do contact that shelter, if I do just try to reach out to that friend or family member to have a conversation, uh, maybe they'll find out about it. And the repercussions of them finding out about that could be really, really awful for me, right, in terms mm -hmm. of that abuse. Yeah, and I think it's important to also highlight that many times when victims do finally leave their abuser, it's not because they're like, oh, I no longer love them, right? right. Um, I think for them, most of the time, what we see very often is that they just want the abuse to stop, right? And yeah. they are concerned for their safety. And so it's really important to know that because you have a lot of victims and survivors that will hold on to those small acts of kindness that the abuser shows through throughout that honeymoon stage, right? Even when they're going through that fourth phase where they're going back to that honeymoon stage and that's why they continue to do that because yeah. they know and that's why we say domestic violence is so complex because they know that that's their way of you know kind of gaining enough power and control to keep them there um and knowing that you know it can be the smallest thing and of course that gives the victim you know a lot of hope that this person may change or they you know regret their either acts you know their abusive acts or that they didn't mean to do that or that it's not who they are and so it's just really critical and important to just remember that domestic violence is so complex and it's not as easy as as just leaving grabbing your bags and leaving mm -hmm. um there are so many barriers in place for them and it's really important that they just never feel alone right and because they do use that tactic of isolation so a lot of times that is a big barrier for a lot of those victims out there absolutely and i think too if anyone's really curious because again this does such a beautiful job this cycle really showcasing right how that happens some of those barriers um, but if anyone's really curious to kind of dive into you know those forms of abuse that may be occurring in these violent relationships we really encourage you to go back. Uh, we had just done a domestic violence and forms of abuse and domestic violence episode just over this past month. So we really encourage you to check that out. Um, if you'd like to, you know, kind of connect more pieces to this um, and, you know, just have a reference point, right, for kind of deepening this understanding of how this cycle works and some things that could be occurring within this cycle. And so on that note, um, you know, I'm just really appreciative for us, again, to hold space for this today. Again, we've referenced it over and over and over again, but I think it was such a good idea to kind of just take time and really dive into this cycle because yeah, it's so important. Um, and I think understanding this could help us at large, just understand some of the complexities of domestic violence, but also just, you know, maybe if you yourself are not in a domestic violence situation, if so wonderful, um, but you know, kind of give us some knowledge, right? And maybe being able to help people that we love and care about, right? That might be in the cycle or just supporting individuals around us and in our communities, right? Just deepening that understanding and how this really works. And so we are going to dive into a little bit of a meditation just to kind of close out this conversation today. Uh, you know, of course, talking about abuse could be a little bit triggering. So we definitely want to kind of take it down, focus on our breathing for a little bit. So we're going to be doing a pretty simple calming meditation today, pretty beginner level. So if you, our listeners, and my lovely co-host JC are available to take on this meditation at this time, I just invite you to start 
focusing on your breath. This is going to calm your mind and relax your body. Just remember, there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Whatever you experience during this breathing is right for you. Don't try to make anything happen. Just observe where you're at. Kind of sink a little bit into your chair. Find a comfortable position wherever you're at right now. Close your eyes, or if it's comfortable to keep them open, you can focus on one spot in the room. As you're breathing in and out, find that rhythm with your breathing. Start to roll your shoulders slowly forward. And now slowly back. Lean your head slightly from side to side, lowering your ear towards your shoulder. And with your exhales, just begin to relax your muscles. Let them feel heavy. Let your muscles just sink into your chair or wherever you are. Your body will continue to relax as you focus on your breathing. Notice how your breath flows in and out. Make no effort to change your breathing. Simply just notice how your body is breathing. See in your mind's eye your breath flowing gently in and out of your body. If your attention begins to wander, just focus back on breathing in and breathing out. Notice any stray thoughts you might be having. Don't dwell on them. Simply just let them pass by like clouds in the sky. Notice your breath flowing deeply and calmly. Feel that air entering your nose and out through your mouth. Feel your chest and stomach gently rise and fall with each breath. Notice how calm and gentle your breathing is and how your relaxed your body feels. Start to visualize a positive word in your mind, whatever word you choose that suits you. On your next few inhales, I want you to really breathe into that positive word or thought. Next inhale, take a deep breath in and hold it for a moment. And exhale. Another deep breath in, expanding your lungs and hold. And exhale. One last big breath in, hold for a count of three. 
and a big exhale out. You can go back to your normal breathing, start to bring attention and focus back into your body, back into the space. Slowly reawaken, wiggle your fingers and toes, do whatever little movements, stretches you have to to wake your body up. And I hope our listeners enjoyed that little meditation. Thank you so much, Lisa. I feel very relaxed. I don't think I've had a peaceful moment like that today. So it was awesome to practice that. Definitely a great piece of self-care for today. Yay, good. And so just a reminder that if you are going through this, you are not alone. If you are a South Lake Tahoe local, you can reach out to our 24-hour crisis line, which is 530-544-4444. Or you can use the anonymous live chat feature on our website that's linked below. We have also linked a variety of different resources below, including resources for our national and international listeners. Also, if someone you love is experiencing this cycle or just domestic violence and you are wanting more information on how you can support them, you can check out one of our previous episodes, How to Support Domestic Violence Survivors, or you can actually go to our website as well and that will be linked below and click on the one conversation campaign and on there you can learn how to support a survivor of domestic violence it even highlights do's and don'ts when supporting a victim and again we just want to thank all our listeners for listening in today and we hope you will join us for our next one conversation episode